Lindell, and in light of the recent events, your continued support means everything to myself and my employees. To thank you for having the biggest sale ever on all my pillow bedding. Get my pillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. We also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles, like plush, waffle, or gossamer, for as low as $29.98. We even have pet blankets from small size to the ones for your car. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. So go to MyPillow.com or call that number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding, including MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98. Get all your shopping in while quantities last. Please order now. Guess who? It's me again. It's five o'clock. Do you care what the mainstream media says? What's up, fam? You out there? You listening? What's up? What's up? Good to see you guys out there today. I hope all is well. It is officially 2023. Thank God. I uh, hope all is well with you guys out there. I hope you guys had a time to get away from it all, get a chance to chill from it all a little bit and, uh, you know, just uh, reset a little bit. I know I did. I finally got a uh, excellent night of rest last night for the first time in a long time. So that felt great for sure. Took a nice quick hot shower before I went to bed, laid down, and I was out till, <laughs> I don't know, about uh, about 10 today. So that felt great. Uh, but anyways, hope you guys are all doing well out there. Lots to talk about today. I want to do a, a Pope dig today. I want to find out more about uh, the Pope that died and a little more there. So we're going to kind of get into that area here today a little bit. Um the Republican January 6th report is out. I want to summarize that for you guys and for the podcast. Uh, Carrie Lake's appeal, I want to summarize that quickly and see if there's anything there. I haven't had a chance to look at I'm hoping for the best. We'll see. Um, lots of other stuff. Lots of all kinds of interesting things out there today. Oh, um, 
Uh, more about uh, Joffy. I definitely want to talk a little bit more about Joffy um, on that for sure. And then uh, I know a lot of people have been talking about him, but uh, you know, there's there's lot there's more there that meets the eye for a lot of things. And that, you know, those who have been hitting up on it, um, you know, what, you know what's 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 there. But we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, let's see what else. Oh, the, definitely the January sixth um, Republican report. I want to spend some time on that for sure. Um, what else? I don't know. A bunch of random other stuff. So that's what I got planned for today. If there's anything breaking out there, we'll get to that for sure. There is some. There was some interesting stuff that was breaking a little bit today uh, that I want to touch on for you guys. But uh, yeah, we'll get to that in just a moment. For now, uh, yeah, I forgot to do uh, the whole rumble thing. So it took me a second to reset the rumble stream, but I got that all set, and now you guys should be good to go out there. So thanks for hanging out there today. I hope you guys had a great uh, New Year's and um, wishing everyone the best out there. Wishing everyone the best for sure. Uh, appreciate you guys being out there. All right, uh, for, let me start first uh, with the website. Do me a favor when you get a ch- when you get a second. Bookmark the website, please. You can find everything you need on it. My Telegram, True Social, Twitter, Gab, and Facebook links. They're all up on there. Um, yeah, we're trying to get my Twitter back. I don't know if I can. It's the phone bills thing. I think it's still an issue. Trying to figure this stuff out. I got uh, fun stuff happening this week and next. So um, just a heads up on that. Um, I'm going to have to be heading up to Wisconsin this week and next to handle some business. And uh, so I look forward to handling that and getting that stuff taken care of. And then we'll be back, uh, back to normal schedule uh, the week after. So it's going to be, uh, just stay with me. Um, like usual, I'll do as many shows as I can, maybe some shows later or, or earlier, depending on what's going on out there, but that's the plan. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, but, but if you bookmark the website or if you stay, stay on my true social telegram, I'll try to announce on those as much as possible. Cause that's easy access for me to telegram or true social. So um, those will be the spots that I'll announce showtime or changes or things like that. And I usually try to announce that about a half hour before showtime. So you can usually, I'm trying to keep up on that this year. So usually you'll every, every day before four o'clock, you'll get a, you'll get a, uh, a message. So I appreciate you guys Monday through Friday, 5 PM, 4 Eastern. I think I'm going to stick with that time. Foxhole, D live, Twitch, rumble, cloud hub, and tiger network are where you can find those live shows. YouTube bandits will be, don't forget the popular shows, uh, this one, the DHS censorship leaks, uh, you definitely need to check that out. It, I, it was kind of long, so you can do it in two segments if you have to. Just mark your timestamp when you pause it and then catch in for the second hour and a half or so. But it's worth your time. You should really check it out. Cash at PayPal, Patreon, and buy me a coffee or how, how you can help keep the lights on. Thank you all for helping with that. Uh, it's time for the new year, new bills. Yeehaw. So thank you guys very much for doing all you can to help me. I do need your love, support, and prayers, and I appreciate it very much. Don't forget, you can always go to MyPillow.com backslash a they have all of their uh site updated over there as well as new deals and all that stuff so check that out when you guys get time as well you can help support the show you can get yourself some cool stuff and you can help uh support mike lindell as well as, well as his efforts to help uh, uh his fight for election integrity email addresses uh, link trees information all you need and then and the appeal box at the very bottom of the website so thanks guys for for making sure that you're hopping in here whenever you guys get a chance i appreciate you all let me say hello to everyone over there at the foxhole.app. Shackle Freedom was out there running his mouth. I missed it all. I'm sorry. I missed it. I, I was doing a lot of stuff pre-show, but now it's gone already. So I uh, apologize for that, but uh, it's good to see you out there, my friend. Sea Dragon, Who Cares News, RP4L, Tori is out there. Uh, Shackle Freedom, I get hyped every time I hear this intro. Nice. Uh, Texas Girls in the house, good to see you out there. I'm still Twitter banned. Yeah, I am too, but I started a new one using my phone number, and now that my phone is off, I can't get access to it. So I got to figure out if I'm going to keep my same number, all that shit. Um, trying to figure that out this week. We'll see. Um, 
Let's see. Abolitionist is out there as well. Good to see you, my friend. Who cares? Thank you for the gold pills. Uh, the fall and dropping a ship on me. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you, man. And I enjoyed our conversation so far. Let's keep it going, man. Let's keep it talking. And it doesn't have to necessarily be me, but you guys, you guys are doing great work out there and spreading the word. So much love. Abolitionist, thanks for the cookie. And I think, that, did I get them all? Yeah, I got them all. Oh, I missed J.C. Bird. Thanks. Good afternoon. Happy New Year uh, to you as well, J.C. Bird. Thank you for all you do to help support uh, alternative streamers and, and the whole thing, man. There's a whole great group of patriots out there. You're one of them. The rest of you guys are as well. Twitch crowds in the house. Uh, J.C. Bird uh, dropping a, a, a gift sub to Miss MK. Miss MK, thank you very much. If you're out there, are you out there, Miss MK? Yes, you are. Um, I have I have your cards right here. Thank you. Thank you so much for the Christmas cards and for the coffees as well. Uh, I had I had them up there. I, I had to change them because Christmas is over already. I don't know if you got a chance to see the show, but thank you very much for sending me those. That was very kind of you. Uh, you were one of the four Christmas cards I got, so thank you very much. I appreciate that. And then I got uh, three birthday cards. So, yeah, I got uh, 50 is fierce, 50 is strong, 50 is awesome as ever uh, from my sis. 50 is distinctive. 50 is a force. 50 is no fool. 50s are clever. 50 is confident. 50 is cool. 50 is wise and brave-hearted. 50 is discovery. 50 is on top. 50 is just getting started. Thanks for reminding me I'm 50, sis. I really appreciate it. And then I got one from my bro. Uh, warning, this car contains the F word. <laughs> happy 50th <laughs> uh, perfect card from my bro and uh, his family I appreciate that and then today my middle daughter sent me a birthday card thank you so much that, that uplifted me so much today that picked me up so much today and just uh, made me so happy you are what you eat today you're a cake and beer Thank God who wants to be friends with a salad. That's that's my daughter's sense of humor right there. Happy birthday. Thank you. Too funny. She says, happy 50th birthday. Thinking of you, Ashley. I appreciate that. God bless you. Thank you so much. That meant so much to me. That meant that just meant the world to me. Um, I also got a birthday card from uh, our birthday gift from rise attire. I uh, did a lot of trying to help uh, support them out there. And uh, they sent me, uh, I, I sent the pictures out there on uh, all, all over the place. Send me a sleeve no more sticker. I appreciate that, man. That was pretty cool. So um, thank you very much for all you guys' love, support, and prayers. A bunch of you guys have reached out to me on Facebook and Truth and everywhere for the birthday wishes and the, and the uh, uh, Christmas wishes and just thoughts and prayers. Uh, you guys are such an uplifting, amazing group of people. It is uh, an honor and a pleasure to be part of this family, and I'm glad that you're here with me every day trying to trying to figure out what the hell's going on out there so i appreciate you guys very much man thank you thank you thank you only five more years till i can join the aarp <laughs> yeah well if it goes any as fast as the last five years did i'll tell you what man uh it has been uh it has been quite the ride no doubt about it so uh, I look forward to the next five for sure. J-Bell, great to see you out there. Uh, much love to you. Um, thank you for the phone. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, sis. I really appreciate it. Rise of Tire, saw you in the new threads, bro. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, bro. Thank you very much, man. It, it, uh, it, <laughs> uh, it's perfect, bro. It's perfect, and I'm definitely going to be wearing them all the time, man. I appreciate you giving me a shout-out, bro, and uh, thank you for all that you did. And it was fun working back in the day, just trying to remember, remember the grind, man. I remember all, you guys uh, had tons of shit happen with you guys, and 
Um, it, <laughs> we just try to lift each other up, right? That's all we try to do. And that lifted me up. So thank you for the birthday present, Riser Tire. Much love to you and your wife. God bless you both. Toria, your gift is this week. Ah, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we will be, uh, I'll do what I can. I want to, I got a lot to think about, a lot to talk about, a lot to do. So I'm not quite sure what I'm doing yet for, for, um, Thursday. I don't, I think I'm probably going to, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I don't know. I'm going to figure that out tonight. So, uh, I got lots of thoughts, to things to get together. Uh, so I'm going to be busy this week, uh, refreshing everything. And, uh, yeah, sticker came with the hoodies. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it very much. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, I paused chat so I could catch up because you guys sort of flying by there real quick. All right. Uh, let me, I think I'm all caught up now. A lot of interesting stuff. A couple of things. Um, have you guys, have you guys had a chance to catch uh, Atomic Annie? Uh, fairly new streamer on the Foxhole uh, and an extremely talented group of people uh, around him. Uh, very impressive to say the least. Uh, so I've been kind of checking out them. I've been checking out a lot of different music channels recently. I spent the freaking whole day. Gotcha, gotcha. Sounds good, sis. You can hop in anytime. Uh, doors open. <laughs> um, but um, so I've been hanging out with them and I want to play for you uh, one of the songs. It's about four and a half minutes song. And it's and it's I guess what they do is they just kind of live jam to different songs. And then they, he picks pieces of them out and then the best parts of them, they make songs of them. And it's uh, it's really cool, man. So I, if you get a chance, check out um, Atomic Annie and uh, check them out all over the place. I mean, they basically are offering their music up too for, um, you know, for podcasters, people that want to use them, obviously giving them credit. I'm going to talk to them too uh, before I use any of their songs, but I'm looking for something of theirs to use to add to the show here. I'm going to make some changes going to the show, start improving things, changing things around. So I got lots of work to do ahead of me. Once I get through some crap, hopefully I can find time to do this stuff. But instead of just sitting around listening to others, I could probably work on my own show. That'd probably, that'd probably work. That'd be a, that'd probably be a good idea. Uh, but, uh, by the time I sit down and want to do anything, I, the last thing I want to do is tweak the show, man. Cause it just, as soon as you start tweaking it, you might as well just start over and just start going. So anyways, I want to play for you guys something. I want to play for you something. First of all, happy new year to you all. I look forward to the next year and I look forward to, uh, to new things and new beginnings for sure. But here is a song from uh, Atomic and I believe this is from them. It's called What It Takes um, off of Anxiety. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly uh, where this all came from, but uh, they were playing it and I snagged it and then because I like it. So you're going to you're going to hear it with me. <laughs> and then while we're listening, close your eyes and allow yourself to hear Really listen. Try to identify it. 
So yeah, uh, Atomagani right there uh, with some pretty awesome stuff, man. And you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure uh, exactly where the, the history behind it all, and I'm not sure how the anxiety ties into it. If it's different, I don't know. I, I just heard it from them, and I freaking love it. So I wanted to start the show off with that tonight, and then I wanted to uh, say uh, Happy New Year to all of my friends, everyone out there that all the lovers, all the haters. Everybody, I just want to welcome the new year with this. We're special, thank you. Cowboys don't have to pay for the fair. Cowboys don't have to pay for the fair. We're special, thank you. 
you don't have to pay for the fare. Appreciate wow. it from your tax. Proud boys don't have to pay for the fare. Oh, thank you. That is insane. Proud boys don't have to pay for the fare. Three dollars. So I just need you to go out. Oh, I have to pay for the fare, but they don't? Right. Is that the situation you're saying? That's correct. And so, Happy New Year to all and to all a good night. Also, this today coming out of Florida real quick. Thank you, Who Cares News. I just get slower. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel slower. That's for sure. Um, here you go. Hours long Florida flight delays caused by FAA air traffic control issue. This, this broke earlier today. I just want to make sure I got this out there for you guys. The FAA says the issue was uh, with an en route automa automation modernization system at the Miami air traffic control center. Huh? Well, I wanted to just a quick dig. MRAM finally takes over. FAA and the National Air Traffic Controllers Association have been working with controllers to talk back and forth between this, that, and the other, and now MRAM takes effect. This was 2015? Yeah, 2015 is when this was implemented. This is a satellite-based system that uh, moves planes and tracks planes through satellites. I don't know. I'm just uh, interesting. Interesting new story out of Florida today for sure. Then there was this from Kanika. Speaking of uh, human trafficking. With Jeffrey Epstein. Oh boy, this is trouble. The notion that Epstein would turn up around Victoria's Secret is not surprising. But what Wexner did was unthinkable, giving him power of attorney. There wasn't a part of Wexner's empire that Epstein didn't have access to. 20 companies, 19 trusts, real estate. The million dollar question is why a gentleman as brilliant as Wexner could allow this guy into his life. Wexner claims that he had no idea that any of this was going on. It just makes you ask, who's telling the truth? Was Jeffrey Epstein. Oh boy, this is trouble. The notion that Epstein would turn up around Victoria's Secret is not. So, yeah. Um, did the FBI ever ask Lex Wexner why Lex Wexner, Les Wexner, geez, why Victoria was secret was Jeffrey Epstein? It's a good question. That's a really good question. Here's Bill Gates with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Nice. Bill's scientific advisor, Boris Nikolic was back up to Jeffrey Epstein's $577 million will. Nice. Boris Nikolic? Nikolic. Jeez. Boris Nikolic. The back up to Jeffrey Epstein's $577 million will. It's a nice gig if you can get it, I guess. Yikes. I wonder where he is. I wonder if uh, there's any news about this Boris guy. Kanika's been uh, doing a lot of good work out there. Hey, what's up, Rumble Crowd? Good to see you. I see you guys out there. Much love. Hey, thanks for being here today, guys. Who is Boris Nikolic? Fox Business. Uh, let's see. Serbian fashion designer. Oh, that guy. I remember that guy. Died on 
April 2008, they say. <laughs> Anyways, there's this too. That is a freaking badass sticker. U.S. Virgin Islands fires district attorney following suit against J.P. Morgan regarding Epstein. I think Joe talked about this last week, but today now you have the district attorney getting fired. <laughs> Her dismissal comes just days after George filed a lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase, the United States' largest bank by market capitalization, for conspiring with Epstein in order to facilitate his sex crimes. The basis of George's dismissal is that she had filed the suit against J.P. Morgan Chase without getting the approval to do so from the Governor Bryan. However, this is seemingly infinite coincidences of the demise of those connected to Epstein one way or the other. Public posture is unlikely to be, be, be believed by few, if many. Yeah. The suit against J.P. Morgan Chase was not the whole scope of Georgia's pursuit of the remnants of Epstein's network of conspirators, although Little St. James Island is adjacent island owned by Epstein Estate went up for sale in March of 2022. Hmm. Anyone buy it? You guys know if anyone bought it? I haven't been paying attention to that, to that deep stuff, but probably should be. Up for sale on March 24th. Uh, let's see. Acting in her former capacity as U.S. Virgin Island Attorney General, she placed criminal activity liens on the islands from a civil racketeering lawsuit. That lawsuit was filed in 2020 following Epstein's death in August of 2019, they say. The suit alleged that Little St. James Island was used in part of a network of shell companies that Epstein manipulated to conceal the activities of his human trafficking network. However, the suit that was settled between Epstein Estate and George's office in early... Who, George, who, who, who is this George? Who, I missed that. Days after George filed. Hmm. Oh, gotcha. Duh. Never mind. <laughs> the district attorney. Um, okay. Um, suit was settled, so forth, so on. Okay, let me see here. Despite the resolution of the U.S. Virgin Islands direct case against the assets held by the Epstein estate, questions still linger, you think? Uh, one of the most mysterious and perhaps vital to examine in those shell companies, Southern Country International, was the first internationally operating bank to be opened in the U.S. Virgin Islands by Epstein in 2014. The bank opened when John Percy De Jong Jr. served as the governor of the territory. During his term, De Jong appointed present governor Albert A. Bryan Jr. to his administration as commissioner of the U.S. Virgin Islands Department of Labor. Despite not having much activity on its books, Southern Country International would renew its license with the U.S. Virgin Islands five times before Epstein's purported de demise. <laughs> Very sad to hear of Jeffrey Epstein's suicide, period. Uh, oh, shit, that's happening tomorrow? Really? I don't remember. Is that true? By the time Epstein died, his Virgin Islands-based bank had less than 700000 in access, a assets. However, in December of 2019, months after his purported suicide, Epstein's estate transferred a whopping $15.5 into Southern Country International. 
In under a month, the bank's assets diminished to less than 500000 Mark Epstein, Jeffrey's brother and executor of his estate, stated that the bank was used to pay existing debts, debts of the assets that he had control over, though the bank was not explicitly referenced in the press release in December settlement. That announcement does go on Virgin Island. Okay. okay. Um, following her dismissal, Assistant Attorney General Carolyn, Carol Thomas Jacobs has been named to an interim position to fill George's vacant seat. She will inherit the office as it joins an ongoing list of plaintiffs who have taken action against the large-scale banks related to their accounts with Epstein. Just over a month before George's filing, uh, multiple class actions lawsuits were filed against J.P. Morgan Chase and Deutsche Bank, alleging each institution knowingly profited from money laundering Epstein's money, taxpayer dollars. Those suits coincided with another filed with Epstein-associated Leon Black, the billionaire who previously was as CEO of Apple Global Management, before his relationship with the pedophile thrust him into the spotlight. The civil suit against Black alleges that the disgraced financier raped the plaintiff in 2002 at a mansion owned by Epstein. A spokesman for Black told Forbes that uh, the claims made against their client was categorically false. Yeah, right. Their response to Forbes follows one of them, similar with Deutsche Bank, who told the publication that the suit lacks merit, so forth and so on. Um, despite the magnitude of these lawsuits, the gravity of Georgia's suit against J.P. Morgan Chase surely made the biggest splash in the once stagnant waters of the cesspool of the Epstein debacle. However, the firing leaves little hope that the waves caused by her last act as Attorney General will wash away or will wash any truth to shore. Good point. Zero Hedge wrote that article. Pretty interesting for sure. Pretty interesting. Um, doing what I can to try to keep Epstein in the news. The reason why I'm leading up to the California freaking law, SB 107, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, the evil on the planet is unbelievable. Lots of lurkers over there on Tiger Network. Thanks for being here today, guys. I appreciate you all. Rumble crowd is in here full and strong today. Thanks, guys. Do me a favor. Hit the plus button over there on Rumble. I appreciate you all. Help me get the, come and get some, uh, some, some views over there. I appreciate you guys. Thanks very much for being there today. JD, JDJR is in the house. Glenn, I see you out there as well as knock my socks off. Who else is over there on Rumble? Nobody wants to. It's the greatest lurking crowd ever. Bonnie's Trumpet and, and CMW Kings. What's good? Thanks for being out there, Rumble Crowd. I appreciate you all. How's things going over there on Twitch, guys? How you guys doing today? Z Patriots in the house. Hunter Deb, much love. T-Rex is in the house as well as S. Stern. Thanks for being here today, Hunter Deb. S. Stern, JC Bird. Calitude's here as well. And love to Francis as well as Miss MK. I'm, I'm hoping all is well, Miss MK. Thank you very much for, for being out today, and thank you very much again for the wonderful birthday cards. Thank you so much. J Bell, Average Joe, and Bitch Toria dropping some more on me as well. Snack time it is. Sounds good. Ah, uh, yes. Thanks for the chef. <laughs> J Bell, thanks for the awesome uh, chef meme. Uh, my tacos were delicious last night. I'll tell you what, man. Just a salt pepper while, while you're cooking the, the hamburger. Just a dash. A, just a little quick little dash of cayenne around. Tell you what. It was perfect. Mwah. <laughs> Oh, man, it's great to see you guys out there. All right, let me keep it moving. California. California is now a sanctuary state for those charged with mutilating children. 
It is that bad. Tonight at, or last night, December 31st at midnight, at the new year, SB 107 goes into effect. And California officially becomes a state of refuge for trans kids and their families as red states pursue hundreds of laws criminalizing LBGTQ people with incitement to violence all too common, California stands strong as a beacon of hope. Technofog put this out there. It's much darker than they let on. California is now a sanctuary state for those charged with mutilating children. Section 9819 is added to the penal code to read. It is the public policy of the state that an out-of-state arrest warrant for an individual based on violating another state law against providing, receiving, or allowing their child to receive gender-affirming health care or gender-affirming mental health care is the lowest law enforcement priority. Section B. California law enforcement agencies shall not knowingly make or participate in the arrest or participate in any extradition of an individual pursuant to an out-of-state arrest warrant for violation of another state's law against providing, receiving, or allowing a child to be mutilated. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's awfully hopeless when parents don't stand up at this, at this point. I I, I just don't know what to make of it, man. It is out of freaking control out there. All right. A couple other things before I get to the Pope, I want to talk about the Pope here quickly, try to get this into the top hour and then don't spend the next hour on the rest of the other digs. Federal dollars. Hey, there you go. The sickest child abuse ever committed by demons on this planet besides abortion is when a child is going through puberty, destroying it, (laughs) making them even more confused. Sick world, man. Sick, sick world. Even after making concessions, Kevin Kevin McCarthy goes from five holdouts to 14. Well, let the games begin. I would ask all of you out there, please, if you have some time, call your senators and leave a message and say no to Kevin McCarthy. That sounds like a great idea. That's really what I think. And let's see if we can get an actual patriot to head up the house. That would be freaking wonderful. Wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Let's see. Let's see what we can do. Call your senators. Say no to McCarthy. Let's see what happens. All right. And then I have, uh, for the next hour, I have the Ruby Freeman the full, like, this is this would take me probably two hours to get through it all. But I have the Ruby Freeman footage, and I want to get through that here in a little bit and see what's in that as well. So that's the plan here going in to the rest of the show here today. Thanks for being here today, guys. What's up, Fruit Bat? Thank you for the cookie. I appreciate it. 
It is very obviously evil. No doubt about it. All right. Um, let's talk about the Pope here, huh? I've been hearing all kinds of things, theories, trying to inform myself better on the Pope because, you know, seems like it'd be a good thing to do. <laughs> and I'm not very informed on it. So I did a little bit of a dig today. Found a couple of really good articles that I want to read for you. And it's going to take me probably about a half hour to get through this. Let's talk about Pope Benedict, an article for perspective by Francis P. Sempa in today's, yes, actually the yesterday's American Spectator. Let's talk a little more about Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, and is there links to the globalists and things like that? Let's definitely talk about that. Is there, is there anything that has to do with Obama, Soros, and Clinton on this? Well, there's a theory out there that says yes. And then there's this. Why did this change? Why did you just change articles on me here? Why the first pe Jesuit Pope should be the last one? I talk about Pope, Fa pope Francis. So that's the, that's the plan here for about a half hour. I need to learn about as much as I can on this topic. And we'll do it with me. How's that sound? Whether you like it or not. <laughs> All right, here we go. For perspective, the greatest theo theologian ever to sit on the chair of St. Peter, Pope Benedict XVI, rest in peace. German journalist Peter Seewald, in volume one of his biography of Joseph Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI on April 19, 2005, called Ratzinger perhaps the greatest theologian ever to sit on the chair of St. Peter. As a young priest, Seewald writes, Ratzinger appeared shy, timid, and physically unimposing, but that appearance masked an intense cerebral brilliance that manifested itself throughout his priestly career. Pope Benedict died Saturday at the age of 95. The Catholic Church and the world will miss him. The struggle that Joseph Ratzinger, later Pope Benedict, waged against false gods of modernity, modernity goes on. And so does the West struggle against the false god of communism headquartered in Beijing. He was born in Marktel, uh, in Marktel in Bavaria, Germany, to parents who practice a decent Catholic piety, according to Seewald. A young boy, Ratzinger, experienced the dying days of the Weimar Republic and the rise of Hitler. He was conscripted into Hitler's youth at age 14, and during the war he was assigned to an air defense battery. Toward the end of the war, he deserted by going home and was held in captivity as a prisoner of war when American troops occupied his uh, village. Captivity lasted 40 days. Seewald writes that Benedict's experience under Nazi rule shaped his priesthood and global outlook, just as it did for the young Polish priest named Karol Wojcicka. The future Pope John Paul II, excuse me, Karol I, I, it's hard to say their original name. That's why they call him Pope John Paul II. Anyway, I can't speak Polish, obviously. Their careers in the church had many parallels, including important con contributions to the Second Vatican Council and in steering the church through the, the challenges of moder modernity and war. Why can I not say modernity? Modernity. Ratzinger served briefly as the parish priest, but church leaders soon recognized that his true calling was as a teacher and a theologian. theologian. 
Ratzinger's model, Seawald notes, was St. Augustine, whose search for God combined reason and faith. Students and later church leaders recognized the sharpness of Ratzinger's mind and his passion for truth and resolute questioning. Ex experience and intense study convinced Ratzinger of the permanence of human imperfectibility. For Ratzinger, Seawald writes, only God was perfect, and every human attempt to rise to perfection ended in disaster. This made him the enemy of progressivism, an ideology that positions reason and education in the opposition of faith. Ratzinger, like Pope John Paul II, viewed communism as the logical end of progressivism. As the logical end of... Oh, yes. Both were faced that challenged God-centered universe. And like Whitaker Chambers, Ratzinger viewed face struggle with modernity and as just transcending Cold War conflict between the West and communism. It was faith in God versus faith in man. When the Berlin Wall fell and Ratzinger's German homeland reunified, the church's struggle with modernity continued unabated. Seawald's second volume on Benedict was published in November of 2021, and it covers Benedict's life from the Vatican to through his papacy and post-papacy. It shows Benedict as a theological bulwark against modernity and its passions, or what he called false gods, abortion, sexual promiscuity, homosexual marriage, etc. It also shows him as a quiet but determined crusader within the Curia to root out and punish priests, bishops, and cardinals who committed and covered up sexual abuse of children. Seawald also published a book-length series of interviews he conducted with Benedict titled Light of the World, George Weigel, wrote in that, in that in these interviews, the reader will meet Benedict as a teacher, a pastor, a, a Christian disciple, and a witness to the truth of God in Christ. Pope Benedict shocked the church and the world when he resigned in 2013. His resignation led to the election of Jorge Mario Borgoglio of Argentina, a former Jesuit, to the papacy as Pope Francis. Unlike his two predecessors, Francis lacked personal experience with totalitarianism. And worse, Francis brought with him the, to the papacy vestiges of Latin America's liberation theology, which attempted to merge communism with Catholicism. Perhaps that is why France, Francis has egregiously entered into agreements with Chinese Communist Party, which effectively surrender the selection of bishops in China to the CCP. And perhaps that is why Pope Francis has failed to champion the great Chinese Catholic Cardinal Joseph Zen during his ongoing per, uh, persecution by by the CCP. Cardinal Zen, a fierce critic of the CCP, was recently found guilty of helping Hong Kong's pro-democracy protest movement. World leaders have reacted to Benedict's death with praise. Britain's Prime Minister Rushi Sunak called Benedict the great theologian. King Charles, King Charles expressed deep sadness. French President Emmanuel Marcon said Benedict worked with soul and intelligence for a more fraternal world. The Archbishop of Canterbury called him one of the greatest theologians of his age. Perhaps Italy's Prime Minister, Giorgia Maloney, said it best. Pope Benedict was a giant of faith and reason. Interestingly, Pope Francis was much more subdued in his praise, expressing thanks for his kindness and his testimony of faith and prayer, especially in these final years of the retired life. That struggle that Joseph Ratzinger, later Pope Benedict, waged against the false gods of modernity goes on. 
and so does the West struggle against the false god of communism headquartered in Beijing. But sadly, we will no longer have Benedict's voice to pen brilliantly and pen to brilliantly use and uh, faith and reason to shine the light of God's truth. Rest in peace. Very nice article written by Francis P. Sempa in yesterday's The American Spectator. Now, let's do a little bit of a dig here for you. Let's start here. In uh, This is, I'm not quite sure this source, but let me just say this. Ratzinger was inspired by the law of the German princes for Munis Ministerium Anti-Usurpation System. I can't talk, I'm sorry. Almost a year ago here, we had advanced hypothesis that the so-called conical plan B had been prepared according to a mirror system. Let's talk a little bit about Francis. Let's talk a little bit about Francis, but before I go there, as I clear my throat, excuse me, what's up, salty nuts? Let's check this out. This was supposed to be first. Was the conservative Pope Benedict XVI forced to resign from Obama, Soros, and Clinton? A theory published in Blondette and Friends. I say only theory, but given the world we live in, there's probably a lot of truth to it. But you never know. There could be some not-so-truths mixed in, so take it for what it's worth. George Soros, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton orchestrated a coup d'etat in the Vatican to overthrow the conservative pope in February of 2013, according to WikiLeaks emails. Pope Benedict was the first pope to resign since Pope Gregory XII in 1415 and the first to do so on his own initiative since Pope Celestine V in 1294. However, the group of Catholic leaders cites new evidence discovered in emails released by WikiLeaks to say that the conservative Pope did not resign on his own initiative. Whoops. Let me make that bigger. There we go. Um, but was driven out by the, by the Vatican, uh, out of the Vatican by a coup d'etat that the research team calls the Catholic Spring. Soros, Obama, and Clinton used the United States diplomatic machinery, political muscles, and financial power to force corrupt and blackmail regime change in the Roman Catholic Church to replace the conservative Benedict with the current Pope Francis, who has since become an unlikely spokesman for the international left, leaving, leaving Catholics all around the world abandoned. I'll fix that for you. Now the group of Catholic leaders has sent a letter to President Trump urging him to launch an official investigation into the activities of George Soros, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton, and others, who he, he claims were involved in orchestrating the Catholic Spring, which led to their goal of regime change in the Vatican. Catholic leaders cite eight specific questions they had tried to answer regarding suspicious facts that led to the resignation of Pope Benedict, the first papal abdication in 700 years. Quote, in particular, we have reason to believe that a Vatican regime change was designed by the Obama administration, say the signatories of the letter, uh, 20, January 20th letter to President Trump. We were alarmed to find out, reads their letter, that during the third year of the Obama administration's first term, your previous opponent, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and other government officials with whom he associated proposed a, a Catholic revolution, 
in which the definitive end of what remained of the Catholic Church in America would take place. Regarding the emails in question, the New American reported last October that Podesta, Clinton's longtime advisor, confidant, and first-choice first activist for leftist financier George Soros, revealed in a 2011 email that he and other activ activists were working to implement a revolution Catholic spring within the Catholic Church, an obvious reference to the disastrous blow of the Arab Spring organized the same year by the Obama-Clinton Soros team that destabilized the Middle East and brought radical Islamic regimes and groups to power terrorists in the region. Happy New Year, Popcorn Cute Hope as well. Podesta's email is a response to another radical uh, funded by Soros, Sandy Newman, founder of Progressive Voices for Progress. Newman had written to Podesta asking for advice on the best way to plant the seeds of revolution in the Catholic Church, which he described as Middle Ages dictatorship. In their letter to President Trump, the group of Catholic leaders writes about a year after this discussion via email, which was never expected to be made public, we discover that Pope Benedict XVI abdicated in a very unusual circumstances and was replaced by a pope whose apparent mission is to provide a spiritual component to the radical ideological agenda of the international left. The pontificate of Pope Francis has subsequently questioned its legitimacy on many occasions. Regarding the emails in question, the New American reported last October, Podesta, Clinton's longtime advisor, confidant, and first-choice activist for leftist financier George Soros, revealed in a 2011 email that he and other activists were working to implement a Catholic spring. Didn't we just read that? Um, in their letter to President Trump, the group of Catholic leaders writes, uh, about a year after this discussion via email, never expected to be made public, we discovered that Pope Benedict... Okay, why... It just repl it just reread what the fuck. Um, I guess they needed to make it longer, so they repeated it. Okay, um, here are the questions. Maybe it jumped on me and I missed it. I don't know. Abdicated in very unusual circumstances and were replaced by a pope whose apparent mission is to provide spiritual component to the radical left ideology ideological agenda of the international left. The pontificate of Pope Francis subsequently questioned its legitimacy on many occasions. What actions, if any, were taken by John Podesta, Hillary Clinton, and others related to the Obama administration who were involved in the discussion by proposing the fomentation of a Catholic spring? What was the purpose and the nature of the secret meeting between Vice President Joe Biden and Pope Benedict XVI in the Vatican around June 3, 2011? What roles have George Soros and other international financiers played that may currently be, be resident in the United States? The investigation that the group of Catholic leaders asked President Trump should concern much more than Catholics alone. George Soros's ability to co-opt prominent political figures to help his radical plans for nation states is well known, but its ability to force the regime change in the Catholic Church, an institution previously impenetrable from outside, raises serious questions about its potential for global chaos. The investigation and the punishment should begin immediately. So, for perspective, very interesting, is it not? Then, let me show you this. Thank you, Jabo. Thank you, Daisy Chains. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. This, I freaking love Brave because I didn't. I, the first time I've 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 had a chance to find an article where I can translate it, and this is a translated article from 
S-F-E-R-O. I believe it is an Italian newspaper. And I'm not going to read the whole damn thing because it'll bore the hell out of you probably. But I do want to, for perspective, hold on. Let me think about this for a sec. Since the 1983, let me just read this, okay? I mean, I read this earlier, but now with reading what we've read so far, I want to take this in, and it kind of throws me for a different loop here. Okay, since 1983 card, Ratzinger and Pope Wojtyla. Wojtyla. Wojtyla? I wish I could say um, his name, but anyways, my favorite Pope, uh, brought a strange change to canon law. Ratzinger and brought a strange change to canon law. Okay. The papal office in 1983 was divided into two entities. Okay. Let me just read it instead of just trying to analyze it <laughs> because I read it earlier. And now it's throwing me for a loop. All right. The divine title Munis and the ministerium, the exercise of power, the, the papal office was divided into two entities. By renouncing this or that, two mirror and radically different situations arise. If the Pope renounces the Munis simultaneously and ratified, there is his abdication canon. If he renounces ministerium deferred and not ratified, as Pope Benedict did, he falls back to the impeded see, canon 412, where the Pope is a prisoner confined not free to express himself, but remains Pope in all aspects. This is the idea of the black Pope. Okay. And that, you know, that we may have lost our real Pope now between Munis and ministerium. There is no Travis transsensitivity. A Pope can be forcibly deprived of practical power ministerium, perhaps by a coup or by external enemies but he always remains Pope while whoever holds only papal practical power does not automatically acquire the Munis, the title of the Pope, a mirror system where there is a subject. Interesting, right? A mirror system where there is a subject, the Munis, which has the ministerium as its reflection, but where the second cannot legally exist without the first. Is it not interesting? According to our previous article, the mythical inspiration, let's say, was due to the third secret of Fatima, where we read, in fact, of a bishop dressed in white seen in the mirror here. Okay, I got to see this. What is this? Uh, how about none? Fuck. Huh. Is that the picture here? It must be it there, huh? Um, all right, let me, let me just keep going here. Um, okay, but today we discovered that this distinction between title and functions unequivocally comes from the dynastic law of the German princes, and not only them, which Joseph Ratzinger, especially as a barbarian, could not fail to know. In the 17th century, in fact, after the usurpation of the English throne by Protestant Elizabeth I, illegitimate daughter of Henry VIII, to the detriment of the Catholic Maria Stuart, legitimate heir to the throne. 
In Europe, they ran for cover by codifying a distinction between the dynastic title and the possibility of exercising power. This is why I wanted to read this. Because, again, there are much bigger things on our planet that are happening. In the 17th century, the usurpation of the English throne by Protestant Elizabeth I, illegitimate daughter of Henry VIII, to the detriment of the... To the, of the Catholic Maria Stuart, legitimate heir to the throne. Thus, in the 8th century, above all, we have several waivers of the Munis signed by various archdukes of the Austrian, Austrian imperial family, or partially to some dynastic rights. On the contrary, after the Great War, the Habsburg Emperor Charles I says he never gave up his Munis and was exiled to actually deprive him of his practical power, that is, his ministerium. Interesting, right? The Italian monarchy, um, you can can dial that in, too. How long have color revolutions been going on in this planet? (laughs) Since not even Umberto II of Savoy gave up the Munis and various other examples between Austria and Italy, Joseph Ratzinger could not fail to know this anti-usurpation system And according to our scholar, prudently advised John Paul II to introduce it into canon law with the effects we know today. In fact, Benedict XVI remains today the only legitimate pope. The Emeritus won a purely nominal, non-juridical qualification from the Latin verb emeris, which specifies which one of the two white-robed is the one who has the right, who deserves to be the pope. Have you ever seen the current black pope wear white? More recently you have, but for a while there, it seemed like all he wore was red. Huh. Very interesting, is it not? Um, and so when, you, when we think about this, about uh, the pope dying and the way that the world is presenting it, just simply trying to bring you more perspective on that front. With finishing with this by George Newmar, uh, the, why the first Jesuit Pope should be the last one. Pope Francis saves the bacon of yet another corrupt fellow Jesuit. We're going to finish up the top of the hour here, and then we'll get to the other digs in the second half. Here we go. Only two and a half minutes. I graduated in 1994 from the Jesuit University of San Francisco. This is written by... Uh, George Neumeyer, a school drenched in the heresy and scandal that had become to define the modern Jesuit order. I can still remember my first day at the school. It was condom day, an absurd campus-wide distribution of condoms that the Jesuit president and the Jesuit professors blithely accepted. I had gone to USF, not because of the modern Jesuits, but in spite of them. In spite of its many problems, USF attracted students like me by offering a great books program called the St. Ignatius Institute in place of its appalling bad general curriculum. Not not long after I graduated, the St. Ignatius Institute fell into the hands of destructive liberals. 
My exposure to the rot of the modern Jesuits left a profound influence on me and made me very skeptical of Jorge Bergoglio, the first Jesuit pope from the movement of his papal election. He reminded me too much of all the flakes who had had bedeviled and ruined the curriculum and campus life at USF. That he came from Latin America, which is home to the most radical Jesuits in the world, made him even more suspicious in my eyes. The pompous egghead George Weigel claimed that Bergoglio came from the good side of the modern Jesuits. But that struck me as obvious bullshit. Has Weigel, by the way, ever apologized for that nonsense? If he has, I missed it. These days I see him pontificating on the glaries of the failed Council of the Vatican's too which is yet another gaslighting and nonsensical claim. The latest scandal involving the Jesuits and Pope Francis revolves around a Slovenian Jesuit named Father Marko Rupnik, a celebrated activist who undeniably preyed upon a host of Slovenian nuns for whom Bergoglio has run obvious interference. Rupnik is guilty of shocking abuse and gross violations of canon law. He, is, he has been credibly accused of, of, of absolving in confession one of his victims, a major no-no under canon law. He should have been removed from the priesthood years ago, but as usual, Pope Francis, while talking a good game about zero tolerance of abuse, didn't play one. He once again saved the bacon of a corrupt fellow Jesuit, allowing Rupnik to escape excommunication and... Latization. This much is clear. Bergoglio is the first Jesuit Pope and he should be the last one. Indeed, George Neumeyer and our finishes up our discussion on the Pope. I hope that you found that as interesting as I did today, going down a rabbit hole of the Pope to find myself some more perspective and knowledge on the topic. I hope you found it interesting as well. Um, we're going to get to the rest of the stuff that I have lined up for you guys here today. But first, I just want to check in with y'all and make sure you guys are all doing good out there. I'm hoping all is well with you guys today. Happy New Year to all. Thanks for being here today. I appreciate you all. Great crowd over there on Rumble. I appreciate you all. Do me a favor on Rumble. Put Hit the plus button, thumbs up button, whatever you can do. I would really appreciate it. Thanks for being here today, guys. All the great lurkers out there as well as the chatters that are out there. Bonnie's Trumpet, CMW Kings, as well as Sausage launchers in, the, launchers in the house as well. Thank you all for being there today. Do me a favor. Hit that plus or thumbs up. I appreciate you all. Twitch crowd's in the house as well. What's going on, Twitch crowd? You guys doing all right out there? Covenant Gardens, condom prevents diseases, a radical idea indeed. Uh, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> uh, the, Ver- the Vatican could care less about American politics. You, you really believe that? Uh, Covenant Gardens, do you really believe that the Vatican could care less about American politics? Uh, you, you should probably take more perspective. Take a step back on this topic and, and open your mind to the truth of the Vatican and the manipulation of the church through the current garbage black Pope that is leading the world to hell. And I had handbasket with the quickness. That is the truth. Whether you like it or not, J bell abortionist, sir lurks a lot. Daisy chains, J bell fruit bat, Daisy chains, vet more. Y'all had a fun old cookie fight out there today. I see. And a can fight, J-, J Bell. Thank you so much, and Daisy Chains. All you guys, thank you all for the uh, for the gold pills out there. You guys are freaking awesome. I love you guys. Raven two thousands in the house. Happy New Year to you as well. What's up, bro? Hope you had a great day today and this weekend. I hope you had a chance to relax as well. Um, Duppy, can you link the first article that had Q E I in it? Uh, the first article. Um, are you talking about the um, this one here? 
Whoops, where'd it go? What happened? Um, yeah, are you talking about um, the WikiLeaks one? Duppy, is that is that the one that you want? I'm assuming. They talk about Podesta and the rest. I mean, we did that. We all went down that rabbit hole a long time ago. Thank you, Esther. The Pope has thrown out the Bible and the canons of the church, indeed. And there are the problem with it is there are not enough Catholics or, you know, um, people of faith paying attention. <laughs> it is very frustrating. Thank you for the sub, brother. I appreciate you over there on Rumble. I've been trying to catch up on my Rumble uh, crowd as well. The acting Pope, indeed. So it's just the bigger picture of it, though. Think about it, though. The bigger picture of it is how this ties it all into the bigger global coup that we're watching happen, right? It was, um, first it was the Vatican, then it was Ukraine. Then they used money laundering in Ukraine to, to, for, to, to launder taxpayer dollars through Deutsche Bank and, uh, I pulled off the one MDB scandal. I got, I got news on that today too. Um, you know, then they used it to money to traffic children, traffic drugs into the inner cities, traffic, uh, do, do tests on black people in Africa. I mean, this is all of these things are real. And you know, the reality of all of this is I think Obama actually is the antichrist. I, I actually am convinced that Barack Obama is the actual antichrist at this point. And we are having to live through um, the Antichrist, um, you know, trying to destroy our world. It really feels like it. And, you know, that's why there's more happening than meets the eye, we believe. And that's why I bring you articles like those to bring you more perspective on it. You can you can take it for what it's worth. I can, you can choose to not believe me. I understand. Part of the problem is that the Jesuits, really good schools and mid-income parents want their kids to succeed. No, I mean... You know, it's the the global coup started by by Russia and China in South America when they took over the church in South America and turned it into a a liberal ship cesspool of of garbage. Uh, that's where it all started, you know, and that's where this current pope comes from. So he comes from the liberalization of the church, and um, as you all know. Um, if you've seen my pr presentation on how many great awakenings our, our planet has had, you can argue that we are on our seventh or eighth great awakening. And that, <laughs> these evil people only pushing us closer and closer to God. And more people are seeing it. More people are seeing the truth of it. And that's amazing to watch. Not only are more people seeing the truth on that front, but guess who else is in the news today? Scientology leader David Miscavige is nowhere to be found. Lawyers are trying to serve several federal trafficking suit against him and have tried to reach him 27 times over four months, but have failed to locate him. Huh. Interesting. Speaking of the, uh, of using religion to manipulate people, Florida officials have tried 27 times to serve Scientology's leader with a lawsuit. David Miscavige is named in a trafficking lawsuit brought by its former members. Scientology members have said that they have no idea about his whereabouts. In the suit, three ex-Scientologists say they were forced into late into labor as children. 
Miss Cabbage's uh, last official address was at the church headquarters in L.A. And nobody can find him. Anyways, I uh, thought you would find that as an interesting pivot off the Pope discussion. But there's also this, the normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia, Oman. Are the Biden admins wins to lose? An interesting article also in today's American Spectator. More about just, I'm not going to read this article, but just a general discussion on the Abraham Accords. The, the reinstallation of Benjamin Netanyahu and his recent meetings with Mossad um, and this realization of the global coup happening all around us that's destroying the world. I'm wondering if there is more at play on that front as well with Benjamin Netanyahu. There's also been something very interesting as well on this front with Benjamin uh, normalizing ties with Saudi Arabia and Oman as part of the Abraham Accords. President Trump sending a message out for the new year of peace. And Mr. President, it looks very much like you have achieved peace in the Middle East. Major airstrike today in Damascus airport, taking out the airport finally, instead of just, you know, destroying every weapons cache or people that keep shipping in there. They finally destroyed the airport pretty much for a long time. And um, so, yeah, it is um, to start the new year off with the, the affirmation of the Abraham Accords and President Trump's peace deal in the Middle East is starting off with a huge kick, and it is great to see. So we have to watch as the globalists continue to attempt to pursue war in the Middle East, first of all, right? Um, you know, continue to try to destroy in the Middle East. And so that's kind of what I'm looking for uh, in the very near future, hoping it doesn't happen. All right, uh, let me pivot to over here. I'm over here now. I got everything back, half-assed backwards and the rest. I want to come over to this direction and bring you... Let's see, I got that covered. That. Okay, yes. Can I can I give you a, criti a, a serious criti criticized Trump article for perspective today as well? I don't agree with everything in this article. In fact, I've, <laughs> what I did read, I was like, eh, come on, I'm not going to read this shit. But let me just... Where did it go? Okay, yeah, I do have it here. I, I want to make sure I get to the Ruby Freeman stuff. Um, that's coming up real quick here. But I want to criticize Trump for a minute. Can we start the new year off with um, with not being a uh, Trump is God and infallible article? Let's do it. I want to read this for, for my own personal perspective. The, perspective. the reason why I want to read this is because the Discovery Institute was started by Bruce Carey Chapman, who also was, who left, uh, well, first of all, he went to Harvard, all right? So he was born in Evanston, but he's part of the kind of the Barry Goldwater party, and he, um, he, was, he left the Hudson Institute to start a separate conservative think tank. So from the perspective of, of, I, I will say the religious right, um, some and many on the religious right is what this article will give us. And so I want to read it. I hope you don't mind. Deborah Saunders wrote this on December 28th. It's not that long, but it is some, actually it is that long. So I'm not going to read it. <laughs> Holy crap. The parts of it that I saw, I just scanned through the rest Donald Trump is counting on the fact that most Americans aren't reading the House January 6th report. I am an exception. 
and really don't care what's in it. Four criminal charges the committee recommended in 845 pages of obstruction of official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to make a false statement, and assisting insurrection don't capture the chaos that led to this moment. Of course, every American charged with a crime should be presumed innocent in a court of law, and yet I am I'm the only Trump critic who wonders if the Fed should not prosecute the 45th president because it would put the former president front and center when fans and haters alike are ready for him to fade away. Here's what I learned from the report, which I, sh which I should note was produced by an overwhelmingly de democratic committee joined by outgoing re representatives, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Trump knew he lost, but he repeated the big lie anyway. Just, li just listen to this for perspective, all right? I just, I again, I don't agree with half of this stuff. Trump signed a knowingly false representation to a federal court in a case involving Georgia. I have no doubt that an aggressive DA or U.S. attorney someplace will go after both the president and his lawyers after all the dust settles in, says Trump lawyer Eastman. So there's that. Trump made fun of his most stalwart defenders. Former aide Hope Hicks told the committee that Trump was skeptical when his credibility ch challenged the attorney's claims, massive influence of communist money through Venezuela, Cuba, and China in the elections. Later, when he talked with Sidney Powell, who had linked Dominion voting systems to Venezuela, he muted the phone so that he could say of Powell's remarks, this does sound crazy, doesn't it? Trump's zaniest and crummiest lawyers knew that Trump lost. Her legal team responded to a $1.3 billion defamation lawsuit filed by Dominion with the argument that reasonable people would not accept her statements as fact, but view them only as claims that await testing by the courts through the adversary process. John Eastman, um, the report noted, all but admitted that his plan didn't work and would likely fail nine to nothing in the Supreme Court. Team Normal outnumbered the clown car. Uh, Team Normal was the phrase former campaign manager Bill Stipen used to distinguish professional aides from the Trump clown car, a phrase created by former Attorney General Bill Barr. As Trump continued to push the big lie, Team Normal, Barr Stepin, stepped back and the clown car took lead. <laughs> a former Trump official told New York Magazine's Olivia Nuzzi, there were always weird people around him. But there were normal, but the normal, the more normal people disappeared, and all he's surrounded by are cuckoo birds. I covered the Trump White House. I know that most staffers were normal. As Trump was trying to push DOJ lawyers to act against their instincts to put a sycophant at the helm, Demo de department lawyers threatened to quit and leave the department a graveyard. All right, I'm gonna keep moving. Uh, it was inevitable. What else is in this? Again, I'm. Um, Ignore the guy in the Viking hat. <laughs> Mark Corallo, a public, public relations consultant who worked in the Justice Department under Republican Attorney General John Ashcroft, told me that he didn't read the report and considered the exercise grossly partisan. <laughs> I have an idea of Trump. Ignore him. <laughs> um, Corallo argued the, the guy in the Viking hat, that would be Jacob Chansley, who also was carrying a six-foot spear, was sentenced to 41 months in prison, was not going to overthrow the U.S. government. The U.S. military would never let that occur, he said confidently. 
I'm not as sanguine about what might have been. Then Vice President, then Vice President Mike, uh, Mike Pence spent hours in the Capitol load, loading dock as the crazy storm the Capitol. He refused Secret Service entreaties to get back in the car because he feared agents would ignore his orders. Huh. Interesting. Uh, what else? I'm going to read the Republican report in a second. And this is, like I said, for perspective, let my people in. As for no, the, the Secret Service thing, seriously? That's when I stopped reading this the first time. 2017 all over again. Naive Trump, this, that, the other. What else? You got anything here? Official election defense fund. Not. The big lie has paid dividends for Trump. The Republican National Committee set out fundraising letters that were not fact-checked to raise dollars essentially to fund Trump's legal challenges. Uh, yeah, you think? All right. Um, th- this person says, Team Normal is Mike Pence, Bill Barr, Alyssa Farrah Griffin, and Ka- uh, Kaylee McEnany. And the clown car team is Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Mark Meadows, and John Eastman. So I guess constitutional is clown car in our world. All right. The house report is 141 pages. So I'm not going to sit here and read you 141 pages. However, comma, I do want to read the house report. Fuck the, what Adam Kinzinger put out there. Report of investigation, security failures at the United States Capitol on January 6th, prepared at the direction of Jim Banks, Rodney Davis, Jim Jordan, Kelly Armstrong, and Troy Nellis, Nels of Texas. Excellent. Executive summary. Let's get through this because I want to make sure that we get both perspectives on this. Leadership and law enforcement failures within the United States Capitol left the complex vulnerable on January 6, 2021. The Democrat-led investigation of the House Representatives, however, has disregarded those institutional failings that exposed the Capitol to violence that day. The Senate Committee on, on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs and the Senate Committee on Rules and Administration conducted a bipartisan investigation in the months after the attack on June 8, 2021. The committees released their findings in a joint staff report here and after the Senate report. This report supplements the Senate report and provides findings from the perspective of the House of Representatives regarding those areas of inquiry that the Democrat-led investigation has thus far ignored and specifically answering the important question of why the Capitol was left so unprepared. This report is based on documents and communications obtained from key witnesses and interviews with the U.S. Capitol Police leaders and rank-and-file officers. Many of the witnesses who spoke to the investigators of the U.S. Capitol Police sources uh, who spoke to investigators are U.S. Capitol Police sources. Some of the sources are current U.S. Capitol Police officers and others are former officers. Several of the sources who sat for interviews are U.S. Capitol Police intelligence analysts within the Intelligence and Interagency Coordination Division. Additionally, investigators interviewed with the chief of the U.S. Capitol Police, Tom Manager, Manger, and the House Sergeant of Arms, William Walker, and the Assistant Director of the Intelligence and Interagency Coordination Division, Julie Farnham. This report goes to great lengths to protect the identities of the line officers and analysts who participated in interviews. Sources who cooperated with this investigation described retaliation by the U.S. Capitol Police leadership for their participation in the investigation and other investigations into the events of January 6th. Additionally, the staff director for the House Select Committee to investigate January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, David Buckley, has a track record 
of acting in a retaliatory manner against whistleblowers. For those reasons, this report uses U.S. Capitol Police source to cite and otherwise refer to conversations with Capitol Police employees who are not in leadership positions. There are several reasons the Capitol was left unprepared on January 6th, including internal politics and unnecessary bureaucracy. Prior to that day, the U.S. Capitol Police had obtained sufficient information from an array of channels to anticipate and prepare for violence that occurred. However, officers on the front lines and analysts in the Capitol Police's Intelligence Division were determined by the misplaced priorities of their leadership, were undermined by the misplaced priorities of their leadership. Those problems were exacerbated by the House Sergeant of Arms, who was distracted from giving full attention to the threat environment prior to January 6th by several other upcoming events. Specifically, the leader of the Capitol Police Intelligence and Interagency Coordination Division failed to warn the U.S. Capitol Police leadership and line officers about the threat of violence, despite the fact that intelligence analysts gathered intelligence that clearly indicated a need for a hardened security posture. In fact, the intelligence leader, Julie Farm Farnam, spent the weeks leading up to the January 6th attempting to overhaul the division by reassessing expert intelligence analysts to new roles and creating new processes for synthesizing threat data. Information about planned protest and threats of violence were so, uh, siloed and not properly analyzed and disseminated during this key period because of Farnam's misplaced priorities. The intelligence analyst testified to investigators the unit was disbanded by her almost on day one. We, at the time of January 6th, we were not doing proactive searches of social media like we had before. We were strictly reactive and responding to requests for information. This also substantiated by Capitol Police's own internal after-action report that was drafted in June of 2021. Similarly, then House Sergeant at Arms Paul Irving, who served as the Capitol Police Board by virtue of his position, succumbed to political pressures from the office of Speaker House, uh, the office of Speaker Pelosi, and House Democrat leadership leading up to January sixth. The court he coordinated closely with the Speaker and her staff and left Republicans out of important decisions related to security. As a critical member of the Capitol Police Board, the House Sergeant-at-Arms had an obligation to all members, staff, Capitol Police officers, to keep them safe by consulting stakeholders without partisan preference. But, rather than coordinate in a meaningful way, Irving, Irvine, Irving spent only provided information to Republicans after receiving instruction from the speaker's, speaker's office. In one case, Irving even asked a senior Democratic staffer to act surprised when he sent key information about plans for a joint session on January 6th to him and his Republican counterpart. The senior Democrat staffer replied, I'm startled. Thank you, Daisy Chains. God bless you. To make matters worse... Go figure. 
Systematic issues have crippled the security apparatus for years. Capitol Police line officers were under-trained and ill-equipped to protect the Capitol complex. One officer testified to investigators that he went into the fight on January 6th with nothing but his Capitol Police-issued baseball cap. Even if every uh, officer had been at work that day, their numbers still would have been, would have been insufficient. U.S. Capitol Police was set up to fail, and there have been scant signs of progress towards addressing these weaknesses. Really? Thanks for that intelligence. In fact, rather than address these systematic issues, I kid, I kid, relax. We can do a sit-in, right? U.S. Capitol Police leadership ramped up its intelligence gathering work as it relates to private citizens who meet with members of Congress and senators including extensive research on private residences and other meeting venues. This investigation found that information collected against private citizens exercising their constitutional right with respect to meeting members of Congress is not, in fact, used for security purposes in some cases. This issue and others require additional scrutiny by the relevant committees of Congress. So, if you wish to go to D.C. and meet your representative, we all have the right to meet our representative. Do you know what happens? You basically get a CIA, probably Mossad background check pulled on your ass. All your information is spied upon. All your friends, family are spied upon before you are allowed to meet them. Did you guys know that? Key findings. We're going to go through the key findings and then I'll leave the report out there for you guys if you want to grab this for yourself. I much appreciate um, the members of Congress who are getting this stuff out there. You can't grab this now. I'll drop you the, the Google Drive Dropbox later. Actually, no, I'm not going to put this on social media. If you want this, I will drop it into chat and that's it. Because I don't like sharing Google Drive links out everywhere. So if you want it, you're going to have to grab it here in a moment. The Speaker of the House and the Democrat leadership were closely involved in security decisions in the lead up to and on January 6th. The House Sergeant of Arms took direction from staff in the office of the Speaker of the House and intentionally excluded Republicans from key meetings and conversations related to the House security. Staff with the House Sergeant of Arms office emailed Paul Irvine that January 6th was Pelosi's fault. Big surprise. Hey, I, I, I had the same conclusions that you do, my friends. <laughs> Widespread concern from Democrat leadership over optics in the aftermath of the of summer 2020 Black Lives Matter protest prevented early deployment of the National Guard. The leadership of the Intelligence and Interagency Coordination Division overhauled the division in the weeks before January 6th and created new processes for obtaining and assessing intelligence data. Those changes caused confusion and rendered a key Capitol Police component ineffective during a critical period. It didn't matter. They had reports from everybody else. The leadership of the Intelligence and Interagency Coordination Division retaliated against subordinates who spoke out against the division's shortcomings. The House Sergeant at Arms was comp compromised by politics in the lead-up to and on January 6th and did not adequately prepare the Capitol for possible violence. U.S. Capitol Police did not give officers the appropriate training necessary to prepare them to protect the Capitol from violence. The U.S. Capitol Police does not have the equipment necessary to protect its officers. 
The command and control structure of the U.S. Capitol Police and Capitol Police Board contributed to unnecessary delays in decision-making on January 6th. The U.S. Capitol Police still has not implemented important recommendations issued by oversight bodies. The coup continues. All right. That is pretty much the summaries. Um, it go, you can go into each one of these sections and you can learn everything you want to learn about them. I also have every single um, <clears throat> testimony. And I mean every single one of them. Brad Rassenberger, Ken Cuccinelli, Roger Stone, um, Bernard Carrick, uh, Chad Wolf's in here, Alex Jones is in here, Jeffrey Clark's in here, Nick Fuentes, Amy Kramer, even Brandon Strux is in here. Um, and then, um, okay, so that's that's that. Okay, I wanted to see this. Um, the recommendations. Make the Capitol Police Board more transparent. Compel the board to send meeting minutes to relevant oversight agencies. Require the board to regularly appear before the relevant oversight committees. Provide additional resources for the Capitol Police Board to professionalize its support staff. Clearly define and limit the board's authority. Make the inspector general independent from the board. And then reform the structure of the Capitol Police Board. Add two new, mem- two, two new members to the Capitol Police Board. As well as replace the Capitol, the chief of police with a commissioner on the board. So, not only questions, concerns, complaints from the Republicans, but also recommendations to include these people should, the heads should be rolling already on this. And hopefully after tomorrow heads will start the roll. All right. Now, if you want this, this is the Google drive for this. You can grab it in most of the chats out there. I'll get it out there in tiger rumble pilled and Twitch. If you want All of the depositions, it is the second link there. And this is the only time you're going to be able to grab this if you want them. So grab those now if you want those. But you can always uh, find them somewhere, I'm sure. I'm not the only one who had access to it. So I'm sure you've seen it out there. All right. Got that done. What else do we have here today? Oh, speaking of January 6th, where are my Texas peeps at? I got another link for you. Make sure I grab this one out there. Anyone out there in Texas, Saturday, January 7th from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Lone Star Convention and Expo Center in Conroe, Texas, there is a prayer vigil for our patriots who have been locked up for two years. Do me a favor, please, at the very least, if you are not in Texas or cannot attend, please do me a favor and at least spread the word about a rally happening on January 7th, a prayer rally for our great patriots who have been persecuted. Um, So there you go. There's that. What else do I have here? Let me see what else I got here. I got most of this stuff knocked out. Okay. Um, Got the Scientology stuff. I got that. Um, okay, I do need to go here. Um, I got the Facebook whistleblower stuff. Oh, I need to go over here. Man, I should not organize it this way ever again. I have I have everything on the outside working in instead of everything in one direction, and it's royally fucking me up. <clears throat> 
How much time we got? Oh my God, only a half hour. Seriously? I'm going to have to do a three hour show. Kidding. You guys are awesome. Thanks for being here today, guys. I appreciate you all. We're going to go through Ruby Freeman here real quick. We have to talk about this Ruby, Ruby Freeman thing. Um, we have to talk about Joffy a little bit more. Uh, fuck around and find out for you. Yes, we have to talk about that. We have to talk about that. Joe talked about the Erickson Report. I still got to talk a little bit about that. And now I got a mixture of crap everywhere. All right. And I have Carrie Lake's um, appeal. I mean, we. I think we've covered it enough on this channel, for those of you that have been listening, to know that there is serious illegal problems in the Maricopa County signature verification and the rest, the chain of custody. It's to the Supreme Court now, and we'll see. We'll see. All right, Ruby Freeman. Where the hell did I put it? Much love, fam. This this could take like an hour to get through, so I'm not going to go too crazy with this. But I want to get as much of it covered as possible. Full video edition. Ruby Freeman body cam emissions revealed in the Georgia ballot scam, uh, scanning scandal. Newly uncovered police body cam footage of Ruby Freeman revealing her stunning, stunning admissions that directly contradict allegations made under oath by January 6th committee witnesses, by certain reporters and show hosts, by members of Congress, and by lawyers in sworn statements to federal court, Freeman volunteers to blow the whistle on election fraud. In the body cam, Ruby Freeman alleges a cover-up by the Georgia Secretary of State, the DOJ, the FBI, the GBI, and Fulton County DA. 9-11 call transcript, body cam videos, and the police report were obtained by open record request. From that information, investigators have learned that the police report was supplemented in contradiction of the facts. Ruby Freeman's lawyer since January of 2021 is Michael Gottlieb, who also was the lawyer and fixer for Hunter Biden and Aaron Rich. Brother to Seth Rich. What the fuck? How was, how did, <sighs> Ruby Freeman's lawyer is the same as Hunter Biden, the fixer for Hunter Biden and Aaron Rich, Seth Rich. What the fuck, man? So the cover-up is definitely in play. There you go. Summary of January 4th meeting with Ruby Freeman, Cobb County Sheriff's Office in Marietta, Georgia. Participants were Ruby Freeman, Trevian Cootie, Harrison Boyd Floyd by phone, Garrison Douglas, and Cobb County police officers. Ruby Freeman was employed by Happy Faces, a temporary agency that had been founded by Stacey Abrams. Freeman was a contractor to Fulton County, Georgia Elections Absentee Ballot Department, where she worked with her supervisor's daughter, Shay Moss, to process absentee ballots in early November 2020. In December 2020, video of the Fulton County Ballot Processing Center operations from early November at the State Farm Arena were part of the Georgia Senate Committee investigation and was publicly televised by multiple news organizations. The video showed ballot boxes appearing to be outside of the normal chain of custody being ext extracted from under a table and processed while no election observers or members of the media were present. Freeman, Moss, and Ralph Jones 
are seen pulling the ballot boxes from underneath the table. Freeman and Moss are seen scanning and rescanning stacks of ballots into an election computer. The unusual activities seen in the video coverage of the Fulton County ballot counting became a major focus of national attention in late 2020 and early 2021. The presidential race in Georgia in 2020 was decided by less than 11,900 votes. Investigators that reviewed the video produced estimates of unusual ballot scans estimating from between 20 and 40,000. Oh, Atomic Annie, I love it. I've been hanging out. I've been lurking a bunch, man. I want to I find something to highlight of yours and bring into the show. So I, I know you said you gave permission to everyone out there. I'll definitely, you know, give you credit for it and, and, and highlight it, man. But uh I love, I love yours. I love it. Keep it going, man. And you guys are freaking amazingly talented atomic. Amy. I'm going to send as many people your way as I possibly can for my chill sessions where we just kind of sit and I just listen to you and your genius. God bless you, man. You're awesome. Investigators that reviewed the video produced estimates of unusual ballot scans estimating between 20 and 40,000 ballots under the table added to the overall vote totals after midnight on November 3rd, 2020. After the December 2020 coverage of Fulton County elections operations, we learned in the following body cam footage that Ruby Friedman met with representatives of Georgia Secretary of State, GBI, FBI, and DOJ in December of 2020 and tried to blow the whistle on improper rescanning of absentee ballots and improper access to voting computers via USB ports. She commented that what the Secretary of State and District Attorney were reporting was false and fraud. When she met with the FBI and DOJ, they did not ask her to tell what she knew and instead told her to scrub her social media. In December of 2020, a chaplain, Stephen Lee, became aware Ruby Friedman, uh, uh, aware Ruby Friedman hearing she wanted to disclose her involvement in a ballot processing at State Farm Arena and was seeking legal assistance. Lee knocked on the door at Freeman's home two weeks prior to January 4th, but Freeman said she did not want to speak to him because he is an old white man. <laughs> Lee contacted Harrison Floyd, who has been employed by the uh, Trump's 2020 campaign. Okay, so Harrison Floyd is the actual attorney. Unable to travel to Georgia, Floyd asked Trevian Cootie, a publicist who was working on the Purdue re-election campaign in Georgia to see if Freeman needed assistance on January 4th, 2021. So who, who is this guy that knocked on the door? A chaplain, Stephen Lee. She probably was right in her first instinct from what it's looking like. I could be wrong here. Let me read a little bit more. On January 4th, Garrison Douglas, the director of communications for Georgia Republican Party, transported Cootie to Freeman's house in Cobb County to offer help to Freeman. Freeman activated her ring camera to record the visit conversation between Cootie and the neighbor, Miss Nadine. Freeman did not answer the door and called 911. On the 911 call, Freeman states she wants Cootie to come back to her house to see how they can help her. Huh. Freeman shows the ring video to the officer who records Cootie's name, phone number, and learns from Freeman that Cootie and Douglas were still still nearby. The officer agrees that Cootie to arrange a meeting, uh, so forth and so on. Based on Freeman's unsuccessful meeting with the state and federal officials and seeing media coverage of the activities at State Farm Arena, Freeman admitted to the responding officer she was uncertain whom to trust yet, 
determined she would meet with crisis manager Trevian Cootie along with police and by phone with Harrison Floyd. All right, so you can see this documents the whole thing through and through. All right, now I could literally spend an hour on this, and I don't want to spend an hour on this because I don't have time. But you know about the telephone. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I ain't trying to talk to nobody because they don't like me or they like me. I don't know. I don't know who to talk to. I don't like them little white guys to come here with call Karen. I don't trust them. So it gives you an idea of what happened here. The same person that was Seth Rich's lawyer somehow is now her lawyer. Uh, let's see. All right. Now this keeps going. There's a lot here. Uh, there's a lot here. And, um, I, you know, I went through a lot of it, but I don't remember which ones I played. All right. You can't, you cannot hear that. I'm going to have to read this for you. I do want an attorney from Ruby Friedman, but nobody knows it's me. It's all fraud, she says. So I do. I do. I wanted one. I know that I need an attorney. I've asked several different all about it and have not heard back. So she put her in a position, right, that she didn't know uh, who to trust in the rest. Let me get to the bottom. There's a section here that I need you to hear. Uh, towards the bottom here, since we're running out of time, if I can find it again. Uh, where was it? Um, hold on, it's down at the bottom here. Uh, let me see. It's a summary, basically. Full door body door door cam. This is 17 minutes long. I think I showed you some of that before. Full audio. This is what I wanted you to see. Full audio of the Cobb County Police body cam. Oh, this isn't, that's the one that's an hour long. And then here's the, uh, so it is this one. Okay. Um, is it this one? That's the full hour. This is the 17. Okay. So I'm missing, there was a summary here somewhere. I might've passed it. Sorry. There's so much in this article that I'm just like, what the hell? it's serious it's deep it is so real it is so they will not they will believe it because i'm good at explaining myself and i'm right but the usb ports but really really i i would really go love to go live with that because the ballot is history even though my name is still lingering but if they want to do it but now it's the USB port. So I need an attorney. I want to go live. I want to go live on every platform and it will blow your mind. It will, you are going to be amazed at the picture. I want an attorney and I want to go live and I need an attorney. <laughs> um, so obviously you want to clear your name. She says 
One hour and three minutes into the body cam, we hear a responding officer talk with a supervisor about writing a police report. This report will this report will be media entrance. So media what? Mostly everything going to be in support of that. Pretty much everything and is going to be real bland on the public right now. The officer's supervisor says, I wouldn't go too detailed on this at all, but this might not be even be a thing. It's just she approached the door and she didn't feel comfortable. Both parties agreed to meet them. <clears throat> so anyways, um, I've tried to highlight this as much as possible. It has not gotten much international or uh, national airplay, I should say. Um <clears throat> If you can, help me bring more attention to Georgia in this new year. Help spread the word about uh, Ruby Freeman. There's more there than meets the eye. <sighs> How much time we got? 15 minutes. Fuck, man. All right. Coming off of the discussion of the Pope earlier and the coup of the Vatican. <clears throat> Aung San Suu Kai jailed for a further seven years. The former leader seen here in 2018 has been under house arrest, but the Mil Myanmar military court has sentenced Aung San Suu Kai to a further seven years in prison, taking her overall jail time to 33 years. The country's former democratically elected leader, quote, and I use that term in quotes, has been under arrest House arrest since the military ousted her government in a coup in February of 2021. The military is the only way in America. The military is the only way in Brazil. The military is the only way here, over there. But no one seemed to want to talk about freaking Miramar. Anyways, since then, she faced 18 months on trials on 19 charges, which rights groups say are a sham. The, the UN Security Council called for her release last week. Now, the truth of this is, is she is nothing more than a globalist puppet <laughs> tied in with them all. Yet another fall guy for the scum that inhabits this planet. You know what I'm saying? Facebook whistleblower talking about the algorithms this weekend. Please listen. Okay, uh, apparently I'm not going to play that. Oh my God, if I hear that, you say that one more time. Say that one more time. <laughs> Facebook whistleblower Francis Hogan calls on Elon Musk to publish the algorithms. If he wants to have the public square open source, open source it. I agree. Anyways, I, I, there was an, a minute and a half video that was supposed to be playing there. Let's try this. Will it work here? Yes. Apparently not. 
Apparently, they don't want you to hear what Facebook whistleblower has to say about algorithms. So scratch that. Uh, okay, thank you, Telegram. Appreciate it. Thank you, Becker. Nothing. Oh, crap. I got 20 freaking windows open. Um, let's see. What else? Um, Google, chump change. <clears throat> Google to pay $29.5 million settlement in lawsuits over location tracking. What? Tech giant Google has reportedly been given a slap on a finger and paid $29.5 million to settle separate lawsuits with Washington, D.C. and Indiana over the company's location tracking practices. Thank you, Daisy Chains. Hello, Kim in Iowa. What's good? Judy the Ladypug, Atomic Annie. Hey, thanks for the playing our music. Oh, man, I appreciate you. That I was trying to make sure I credited that right. You guys are freaking awesome, man. Daisy Chains, The Fallen, J-Bell, all you guys are dropping tons of freaking gold pills out there. I mean, thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. Tech Giant Google reportedly paid $29.5 million. Slap on a finger. That's great. Uh, as part of the settlements, the tech giant has pledged to not mislead their users about the collection and use of their location in location data in location history and web and app activity. Meaning now they're going to have to tell you that they they're tracking you everywhere you go. <laughs> hey, Silicon Valley, I made $380 million off of my users, private data. Ask me how that's a perfect freaking meme right there. Breitbart. Anyway, uh, great work by the attorney general of, of uh, Indiana by getting that Boy, $20 million for deceptive location tracking. Boy, that'll, that'll, that'll teach them a lesson. Great job. Great job, guys. Keep up the great work out there. Uh, here is the whole see, thing, thing of bobber for the Cary Lake. Uh, we've like, again, like I said, we've pretty much covered all that. Don't forget the January 6th prayer rally on Saturday, January 7th at the Lone Star Convention and Expo Center in Conroe, Texas. Get on out over there, Conroe, Texas. You hear? Uh, GOP-controlled state legislatures weigh the constitutionality of presidential executive orders. Brian Seitz in uh, Branson, Missouri. Branson, Missouri. I tell you what, Missouri Attorney General is absolutely on freaking fire, man. I'm keeping a close eye on this guy. He's been doing some great work. He's sponsoring a bill that will require state lawmakers to scrutinize and potentially disregard some presidential executive orders. Like, you know, um, you you can't use coal anymore because coal's dirty. And I want you to use electric. And then you say to that person that uh, electric comes from coal and you can't have electric without coal. And then they go, oh, well, too bad. Start, go back to the stone ages. Cause I don't like, I don't like coal. <laughs> I think that's how that works pretty much. So uh, under the house bill 174 in misery, they are trying to um, push the envelope of states rights. And I tell you what, I tell you what, if an executive order is unconstitutional, as so many of them have been, if not all of them, 
That would be very interesting. I sh- we talked about the Erickson report out there. Joe talked about it pretty deeply and all of that stuff, a matter of national security, showing you how Erickson worked with uh, AT&T and the federal government to spy on you. Partially coming from that also is this thread that um, VLTRAMK, Ultra MK wrote, the smoking gun intellectual property assigned to Rodney Lance Joffley. The applicant is New Star Incorporated. Well, 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 let's go back to the dig that we did way back when and found New Star Incorporated. But this guy put an awesome thread together linking uh, Rodney Joffe to Hillary Clinton Perkins Coy, and he says the patent is the key. Indeed it is. <clears throat> Joffe's counsel menses fraud. Joffe's counsel was claims that he is subject to 15 months of a special counsel investigation. Um, anyway, so Joffe filed a lawsuit, right? <clears throat> And there's a lot, there's this thread's freaking awesome. Grab this freaking thread. And I'll, I'll put this one out there all on social media later. For those of you that, that have, uh, that know about Joffe and all that stuff, this guy put an awesome thread together that ties it all together. Um, if you're looking for that new star link and the links to Hillary Clinton's and why it matters, Perkins Coy, part of the coup and the rest, that's why it matters. All the names tied in. <clears throat> Some haven't seen it before. Thank you, Kayan. Appreciate it. Joffe sues Newstark from Fuck Around and Find Out FOIA. Undead FOIA. Um, <laughs> FOIA around and find out. Came across a lawsuit that Rodney Joffe has filed against Newstark seeking $2.6 million for his legal fees stemming from the Alpha Bank civil case, the Durham investigation, and the Trump RICO suit and the Trump RICO suit. He is arguing his actions were taken on behalf of New Star related to Alpha Bank allegations and other investigations. It's an expensive docket, uh, 40 to $127 a document. What? 40 to $127 a document, but I grabbed a few of us to look at. So, so far, much of the focus is on the request for expedition and most interesting files were done under seal, but... Uh, public re- uh, reporting from October, November period. And, and that leads us to assume that John Durham is done. Investigation ended for Joffe in October of 2022 when Joffe, by his own account, special counsel John Durham personally informed him that he will not be prosecuted. Strikingly, in another section, we learn that the Alpha Bank litigation apparently was the bulk of his legal expenses, not the John Durham investigation. Interesting. Joffe appears to have retained counsel in connection with the above, so forth. Here are a couple of documents to read through. And the great work by Undead Foya, <clears throat> as always, on that one there. I think, did I get through it all? We got Kevin McCarthy done. We got that done. I think I did. Well, holy shit, I got five minutes left. What am I going to do in the last five minutes? How about we hang out with you guys for a little bit? I missed you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me today. All the lurkers over there on Tiger Network, much love. I appreciate you guys. Rumble crowd has been on fire today. Thank you all for being out there today, and thank you all for hitting the plus button. I appreciate you all. Uncle Old Rusty Sausage Launcher, everyone else, all the lurkers and listeners out there on Rumble today, I appreciate you guys very much. It has been uh, fun to be with you guys today. Lots of interesting stuff out there to talk about today. We'll be back tomorrow for another edition. So hopefully you come hang out with me again tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? 
Tina Turk and uh, Naughty My Name and Nana Rose, new followers over there on Twitch. Thank you guys very much. Uh, let's see, what else? Yeah, again, if you have links <clears throat> that you want me to share during the show, please send them to me before the show <clears throat> so I have a chance to vet them and look at them before I'm live. It's, it's really... It's a, it's a hard, fast rule that I have. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but that's my hard, fast rule. If you want me to share one of your links, please give it to me before the show and I'll check it out. All right, man. I appreciate you guys though very much. Um, what's going on later on today? Belushi's live right now. DW Truth Warriors live right now. Maven's going live at eight. Average Joe's going live at 10. Woke Society's back live tomorrow. Who else is out there? Quite frankly, he's live right now. Do me a favor. Wherever you may go, whatever you may do, tell them Uncensored Abe sent you. I would appreciate it. Tell me you just came hanging out with me and learned a lot of interesting stuff. Or tell them that, you, that I'm a clueless moron and you listened anyway. I don't care what you tell them, but tell them that you were here. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I appreciate and love you all very much. Go ahead and grab that scratch off. Uh, my quick restream of choice is Tora 3, Tiger Network. That is where you should use your restream from, Tora3.com. Once you set it, set it up, you can, as shown here, you can stream it wherever the hell you want. So the Cloud Hub, fight Facebook, DLive, set it to Pilt, set it to Twitch, set it to Facebook, and send it to Rumble, and boom, Fire. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for being here today. I appreciate and love all of you. I'll probably lurk and see if anyone's doing a roundtable later on and see if I can hop in for some discussion or actually probably not much talk. I'm probably just going to hang out and listen tonight more. But I appreciate you all, and we hope we continue to uh, fight side by side in this battle moving forward. Forget about the drama. Forget about the I don't like him, and therefore I'm not going to help. Or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna try to hurt. I should say. Appreciate you guys very much. Please continue to keep the prayers coming. It's gonna be an interesting year, man. And I tell you what, I for one am looking forward to flipping the proverbial tables going into 2023. <laughs> so. Come here with me and let's flip some tables and let's fight for our children. Because if we don't, no one will. And with that, I want to say much love and God bless you all. Thanks for being here today. See you guys back here tomorrow. And then I'll figure out tonight what the hell I'm doing the rest of this week. I got, I got to be up in Wisconsin this week and next. So bear with me and I appreciate you all. Have a blessed evening. God bless you all. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference.